Welcome to Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories. This is the health and wellbeing podcast where I sit down with a special guest to discuss a topic for one of the calendar awareness days. The aim of this podcast is to inspire, inform and celebrate the people who share their incredible stories to help others. So sit back and enjoy. This podcast episode is in honour of Dry January. I sit down with the lovely Dawn, otherwise known as Sober Fish, as she talks about living life alcohol free. She opens up about life before sobriety. She talks about the benefits she's received since going alcohol free, that idea of accountability, and of course, the freedom it's given her. She now runs a coaching business with the aim of helping others. I really enjoyed this chat and I hope you do too. And here's the show. I've just realised my background has changed to glittery and I didn't do that, I swear. <laughs> but I quite like it. So I quite keep... like it. I mean, it's like you've got really expensive wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that now forever. I love it. <laughs> Hi Dawn, how are you doing? Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Really good, thank you. Apart from the um, husband internet phone problems in the background, but <laughs> hopefully we won't get disturbed. We can have a nice <laughs> in peace today. Um, yeah, but thanks, thanks for joining me to talk about your sober journey. And of course, it's in honour of Dry January, which is well this month because the podcast is released at the end of December. So yeah, let's start at the beginning. What was your life like before? you started this sober journey tell us about life pre (laughs) (laughs) unrecognizable to what it is now I worked for a housing association Um, I'd worked there for 11 years really enjoyed what I did and had kind of thought that I was going to be there forever that was done deal I was quite overweight I lost I think it was about 50 pounds in my mm. first year of sobriety. So I was very overweight. I was smoking a lot, drinking a lot. My issue was that I never knew when it was time to go home. So a drink, two drinks, a night out was always elongated into something much longer. I was in denial that alcohol had anything to do with my weight. So I was constantly on diets, off diets, and couldn't understand why I wasn't losing weight. I was very over-emotional, very angry, very tired, just fed up, really. I guess I'd never Googled, am I an alcoholic or do I have a problem with alcohol? Because I already knew that I did. I did dry January most years. I was always successful. And in my dry Januaries, I wouldn't smoke. I wouldn't drink. I would be on a diet. I joined the gym, did everything. And I always completed it and always felt great. But then the 1st of February ended up going back to everything big style. And one of my main reasons that I wanted to give up alcohol was to stop the smoking because I tried to stop smoking before. And I always went back to it because of drinking so I'd go to the pub just for a drink and I'd always end up smoking so I thought do you know what I've tried it that way round maybe if I try it the other way round I can actually knock smoking on the head which I did which I still can't believe that I did two things at the same time but that's yeah. a whole other question a lot of people say that there's that link when they have a drink they fancy a cigarette and it's that social culture 
isn't it? You're out and you sort of link those habits together in a way, don't you? Yeah, but you also lose your all Russian, what's it, is yeah. it rationale? Goes out of the window because yeah. it's like you're drunk. So then you're like, oh, I'll just have one cigarette and you go to the shop, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's like ongoing. And that and, leads to the munchies, hence you probably put on that little bit of extra weight. Mm. Yeah, the next day you're eating rubbish. It was just the cycle, I suppose. And I think the cycle just becomes so exhausting. And that's your point of something's got to change and it's got to be big because all the all the little attempts haven't worked. But it is that culture because everyone goes out and, well, say everyone, a lot of people go out because it is that culture. You go out and have a few drinks and it's sort of ingrained in us in a way, isn't it? So yeah. how did you get to that point where you were thinking, oh, I'm drinking too much compared to, because so, some people can go out and have a few drinks, can't they? So how did you know that you were drinking too much? So I was always sick the next day. Right. So I'd go out, come home, go to sleep, wake up, could, could feel all right or could feel dreadful, it didn't really matter, but I would then start being sick and generally waste the whole day because I just couldn't get it together because I was just right. so poisoned. And I think the the thought of giving up, it started way before I actually did. Probably it was that year was just like, something's got to change. I've just, I've had enough. 2016 this was. And then, like I say, I hadn't Googled anything. Sobriety wasn't on my radar and an article came into my newsfeed in August 2016. Right. So really random. Yeah. Unless they could read my mind. And it was before and after photos of people who'd given up alcohol for a year. And they yeah. just looked incredible. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's really interesting. Like, their skin, their eyes, their hair even. They all just looked like they'd had a makeover. Wow. And... I just couldn't believe this article and I couldn't believe that it had just happened to pop into my news feed and that planted the seed. And then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do it for a year because I knew I could do a month. Mm. And I also knew that it takes, they say it takes 90 days to change a habit. So I knew I had to do longer than three months. Yeah. And the next, and because of this article was a year. So I was like, I'm going to do it for a year. And that was the intention. So the intention was to give up on the 1st of January 2017 for one year. And on the 31st of December 2017, I was going to be this non-smoking, skinny bombshell. <laughs> and I was going to drink Prosecco moderately. I now don't believe that. That is a yes. But we'll get on know, to that, that. that was the intention. But then what happened was I just basically hammered myself too much and I ended up changing jobs, which was great. I still work for them now. And uh, what else changed around that time? Didn't just, you say you set like, up a new business as well? Like towards, was it that year or the year after set uh, up a new business? No, the business was after I'd been sober for, I set it up in 2019. Oh, Okay. It kind of just evolved as my sobriety evolved and, and and what I'd learned evolved. Then it was like actually I couldn't cope with what I was doing because I was working full time mm. and I was supporting people in the sobriety world and I literally didn't have enough time to do everything. So something had to give. So I had to yeah. monetize what I was doing in order to give me back more time 
to invest, which is what I did. Yeah. So you did it for the year, hoping, well, you were hoping to last the year. And then you thought you would then just go back to drinking in small amounts. So what made you carry on being sober? Um, Because I learned so much about alcohol and I felt so good. So I decided around six months that I was never going to drink again, mainly because the weight has come off and not gone back on. So that was a big sign. Oh, okay. So there was only one thing that was keeping me on constant diets and it wasn't the food. I'd given up smoking, which was part of the aim. And I have no intention of ever going back to that. I had more money in my pocket. So it was like, oh, that was actually costing me a lot of money to continue Mm. to live that kind of lifestyle. I started walking. So I still walk now five miles a day at least. And that's non-negotiable. And because I started doing that, it was keeping the weight off. And I was just feeling better about myself. Everybody will tell you about sober sleep. Once you get it, once it comes, it's just like, oh, my God, you just don't want to risk that for anything. And I'd really immersed myself in the sober community. So I'd realized that there was just so much more to sitting in a pub on a Friday night or blackout or being sick all day on a Saturday. I was just like, why would I want to go back to that? And as time has gone on, and because I now work in that sphere, I am absolutely, you know, I will never drink again because there are no benefits to it, in my opinion. Right. So would you say it's been easy then, that journey, because you saw so many benefits? Did you find that you craved alcohol or did you not crave it at all because you felt all these benefits so well? It's a good question because I think the long, because I'm sober for seven years now, I think it's called fading effect bias, which is is like when you forget how bad things were, you kind yeah. of look back and go, oh, actually things were really good then. And so I always think that I was okay in that first year, but because I wrote about it and did my blog, sometimes a blog will come up and I'll go, oh, things mm. weren't that great actually. Yeah. You know, I think I think a month before my first anniversary, I was like, you know, I, am I doing the right thing? Mm. So the thing is, is like you've identified, it's so ingrained in our culture. Saying no to alcohol is a really ballsy thing to do, but it's also constant work, constantly mm. justifying your decision. Yeah, and I think there's a phrase out there that says alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify not taking. You know, if you were a heroin addict and you'd stopped taking heroin, people would be having a party for you. But if you're sober, it's like, oh, I don't understand why. Why? What's wrong with you? Yeah. So how did people react when you had to start saying, look, we're going to go out because you know, I'm not going to be unsociable, but I'm not drinking. How did they react to you when you said, I'm going to go out, but I'm not going to drink? Initially, nobody believed me, I don't think, because I was such a party animal. I think initially people were just like, okay, all right then, we'll see. Did you feel like you had to announce it to people and warn them in a way, look, I have now stopped drinking? Was it so much of a shock that you literally had to tell people? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I teach people, you know, it's better to be upfront about what's going on because then people leave you alone. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got to do what they've got to do. Some people, that would be their worst nightmare. But for me, 
And this is all really weird because I didn't know about accountability. I didn't know about the sober world. I didn't know about any of that when I decided that I was going to tell the world about it. Yeah. But actually telling the world about it did me a massive favour because no one says to me, oh, go on, just have the one. Yeah. <laughs> no one. <laughs> because everybody knows I don't drink and that's my thing. So I guess it was kind of easy for me, easier for me, because I'd made it so public that that's what I was doing and people were encouraging. But if you say I'm giving up alcohol for a year, obviously everybody is waiting for the end because Mm -hmm. you've said there will be an end. And they're like, you know, oh, we'll go out when when you're drinking again. So when I denounced I'm not drinking again, you know, my best friend, I remember her being, I mean, she went as white as a ghost and was just literally like, what? Really? Because that's what we did together. And just on that subject, you know, the reason I decided around six months was because I tried so hard to fit into my old life without alcohol and it's square peg, round hole. Mm. I was like, you know, going to the pub, trying to have a good time, just like, this is shit. I'm not enjoying myself. I don't want to sit in a pub. I don't enjoy being around drunk people anymore. So why am I doing this to myself? But it, it took six months for me to understand that I needed to find my own way. Did you find you had to find your own way of socialising then? What what did the new socialising look like for you? I don't go out after dark. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I get up with the sun and I go to bed with the sun. I did a lot of brunch, a lot of lunch, a lot of food, you know, making sure food is involved, afternoon teas. I will go out for dinner, but it will be early and it will be with the right people. I think, you know, for me now, if somebody said, oh, we're doing an all day, why don't you come? It's just a no, because it's just not my type of entertainment anymore whereas before yeah. that would have been like yeah, uh, yeah I'll be the first one there so it is a big adjustment because you're changing friendships you're changing places that you go you're changing where you socialize who you socialize with how you socialize and I kind of came to the conclusion that I did I actually really enjoy all the socializing that I did before mm. or was the alcohol masking that I didn't really enjoy things in the first place so it's a real journey of self-discovery sobriety yeah I love what you said about accountability so did that really help you stay on that right path because you literally announced it to everyone tell us more about accountability so I run an accountability group because I know it works if you tell somebody you're going to do something or a group of people that you're going to do something it's a pressure on you not to do what you, you know, not to drink because you've said that you won't. And I got the idea just from slimming clubs, you know, the the, the fact that you have to go to a slimming club every week and you have to be accountable for the week that you've had. And as much as I hated it, I did much better when I had to go and speak to somebody and admit my sins, if you like. Yeah. So that's where the idea came from. So I encourage people to post in my group once or twice a day A, because it's good for them, but also it's good for connection because the more you open up to somebody, Mm -hmm. the more they get to know you and the more they're waiting for you to say something. So like my blog, I've posted every day for seven years, apart from the very odd occasion. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't, people would be like, where is she? Why is she not posting? You know, what's going on? That support network, isn't it, that you've created? 
that yeah, we can definitely. help each other then. Yeah. And I think we're mm-hmm. our worst enemies yeah. when we're not accountable because yeah. we'll just go, oh, do you know what? No one knows. No one knows. Yeah, I can do it because I haven't told anyone. Yeah. No, it's so yeah. true. That is such a good point. I sort of half knew about it, but didn't really think of it as a thing. But yeah, now you've said it, it does make total sense. No, absolutely. Well, the other part of it is because writing has been so beneficial to my journey, I want people to write and share because it gets things out of them. I think a big thing for me was putting it out there to other people and going, you know, I was an idiot. I was damaging myself. I was self-sabotaging. You know, I was doing all of this stuff. And putting it out there stops me beating myself up about it. You know, again, it's being accountable and going, I did the wrong thing at the time, but actually it's led me to where I am now. Yeah. You talked about being invited to an all day for example, which is a rare thing. We don't tend to do that as a general thing, but I suppose some people do. But you do have situations like weddings and christenings and parties, Christmas parties. Obviously, we're recording this podcast in December. We've got the Christmas parties coming up. How do you cope with those celebrations, birthdays? For me, if I've got like a party coming up, I might say, right, I'm going to be good this week. And then I can treat myself at the party. (laughs) I know that's not the right thing to do. But how do you cope with those celebrations? I wouldn't go to the party. Right. (laughs) Then what about if it was a friend's wedding? If it was a friend's wedding, and I've done weddings, I was bridesmaid for my brother at his wedding in 2019. And it was the one of the best days of my life. Yeah. So I absolutely know I can socialise and enjoy myself sober. But if it was, say, you know, like a standard Christmas party of old where you all go to a hotel in Bournemouth and, you know, there's big tables, uh, it's a no. I just just wouldn't do that now. But if it's a Christmas lunch, I would go. You choose what you want to do. You can say no. You're not a people pleaser, unlike me. That's the thing. We are people pleasers. And when we're out and people say, like you said, oh, just have one more. It won't hurt. That's the society and that's the ingrained sort of culture that we're in. And that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. No, I've done a lot of work to crush my people pleasing tendency. I'm probably more the other way. But a wedding, for example, the first wedding I went to was in 2018. I found it really tough. It was full of people who I've always hung out with that drank a lot. It was a really long day. Like, Mm. that's what I would say about weddings is, oh, my God, they are such a long day. So I make sure that I take breaks, like, out of it, just take myself off. Or if if you're staying at a hotel, just go to the room for a bit. I find people really tiring. Yeah. Which I think people are tiring, but we don't notice when we're drinking. Yeah. So I just need that kind of recharge of my battery. At my brother's wedding, I don't think I took a break. Everybody was quite drunk, but I was high on the occasion. And if he did it again, I'd be there with bells on. Absolutely no problem at all. So, yes, I think it's very dependent on the event, but how I can control it in a way that makes it enjoyable and achievable for me. So it's having those tools in place that you've probably sort of built up over the years, those go-to tools like taking a break and then maybe creating some new traditions. So at Christmas, you might have a glass of champagne for Christmas dinner, but 
instead you might have a soft drink or I don't know fizzy orange or something is that what you would say is a good thing to do have new traditions definitely funnily enough Mm. I did a live in my group about that yesterday I think it's really important because I think Christmas is you know we're brought up with Christmas being in a certain way and then we meet partners or whatever and Christmas changes and evolves Mm. this is just another kind of change and evolve situation so Christmas day for me I will go for a walk and I love going down to the park run where everybody's dressed up. Yeah. I found that by accident in my first year of sobriety. And that's become a tradition to go down there and just, it's just a really nice atmosphere. I will buy something nice. There's so many drinks on the market now. And my sister-in-law is actually sober. She's three months sober at the moment. So I'm really excited because there's Brilliant. two of us celebrating sober Christmas day. Yeah. And we've got, I bought her a really nice bottle of something or other that we're going to share and I'll get something else. And yeah, it's just basically changing those traditions that have been in place for so long and just slightly amending them. Yeah. And then taking them forward. So the other thing that I did in the first couple of years was I made dessert. I've never made anything before. <laughs> I'm undecided whether I'm doing it this year, but it was a great distraction tool Yeah, because whilst you're concentrating on a recipe and buying the stuff and knowing what you want it, you're not thinking everyone's in the pub. I hate this. Why can everybody else do that? And I can't Mm. because you're distracted doing something else. Yeah. And it's lifestyle changes, isn't it? And like you say, a habit, did you say it was three months or six months to change a habit? Well, I I said 90 days earlier. I think Mm. it's 66 days. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, but I think there's something around 90 days as well. I just knew that I had to do more than a month and and less than up to a year. So Yeah. And you're not going to change all those little bits all at once. If it's a lifestyle, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to stop going out drinking. It's changing different parts of your life, I suppose, to fit in with your new lifestyle isn't it so you said about going for a walk on Christmas day are there any other things that you do any other activities that help you stay on the right path any support groups that you might have joined yeah so I write my blog and I run a group so that keeps me quite busy because I'm in there every day I have belonged to other groups in the past as my groups got bigger I've kind of retreated from the others because it's kind of hard to spread yourself too thin yeah podcasts are an are amazing resource there's so many podcasts that you can listen to mm-hmm. and they were great for me in the beginning when I was walking yeah so I would just literally listen to all the alcohol-free podcasts that were out there and and also when I was cooking I would do that too because if you find like dinner time difficult because you normally have a glass of wine. If you've got somebody in your ears talking about sobriety and talking about the positive aspects of it, it can, again, it's all about distraction. It's it's distracting yourself from yourself. Replacing one habit with another in a way, isn't it? Otherwise you're going to miss that gap and you're going to think, right, I'll go for the wine. But if you've got something to replace it with, that must help. So that's a really good tip. It's just this distraction of the voice that is saying, why don't you just, and going, no, I'm I'm going to be really busy doing this. So my other top tip, which people don't like very much, but again, this is only in the early days, is doing cleaning 
at the times <laughs> that you would normally be drinking. Right. Because what I would do is I would finish work on a Friday and then I would clean or cook so that I've got all day Saturday free because I wouldn't generally drink on a Saturday unless it was special, like all day, yeah. unless it was a special occasion. So then I've got all day to do things that were nurturing to me. And then on the Saturday night when I'd normally be drinking, you know, cook something complicated again or go out for dinner or something like that. So it's basically turning life on its head for a while until you're out of the habit. Hello, this is Kiri. Just a quick break in this podcast episode. I would absolutely love it if you could subscribe to the podcast. All you've got to do is hit that subscribe button. Once you've done that, please give us a rating and a review. This helps keep the podcast going. It'd be so much appreciated. And you can do this on any of the podcast platforms of your choice. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the show. We've talked about people pleasing and having friends and asking us if we want one more drink all the time. And what about partners? Would you cope with living with a partner who did drink either heavily or even just moderately in inverted commas? Because we're going to get on to the moderate drinking. (laughs) As you said, drinking heavily, I'm literally like, it is a massive no. No, no. It's a massive no. It's a question that I find really hard to answer Mm. because... Ideally, I don't want alcohol in the house, not because I'm tempted. I just think that alcohol changes the levels that people are on. So if you're sober, you're speaking on the same level. If if the other person has a glass, two glasses of wine, they've gone to a different level. It's hard to communicate at the same depth. Yeah. Yeah. And connection. Yeah. Great point. So I guess if I'm honest with myself, I'd, I'd rather meet somebody that was sober the other problem is, is that people will say, it's fine. I don't really drink that much. But people's ideas of not drinking that much, <laughs> generally, like, it's too much. And I've been single for a long time now. You know, it's another thing that is kind of with sobriety and not people pleasing and self-worth, self-respect, all the rest of it. I've probably made my ideal person <laughs> out of reach. You know, you need to be sober. You need to be this. You need to be this. You need to be this. I think we're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a really good question, and it's one that who know you know somebody really amazing could come along and be a moderate drinker. But I am very skeptical about moderation. So mm. we say, oh, we don't drink that much. We just have a glass of wine here and there, and we might call that moderate drinking. But that it's so ingrained in the culture, isn't it? What so how do you feel about? people that do say that do you genuinely think that that is too much I mean you've got the mummy wine culture haven't you where people I don't know have a glass of Prosecco on a play date for example I've done it in the past but how damaging do you think that is that sort of moderate drinking level yeah so moderation I believe people can moderately drink yes but can they moderately drink forever is the question I deal with a lot of people who never drank until they were like in their 40s and then they moderately drank until their 50s and then they went off the rails at 60 Mm. you know so the problem with alcohol like any of us with a problem with alcohol never intended to have a problem with alcohol yeah we all started as moderate drinkers I always remember a bottle of wine was the limit until it wasn't you know I always remember going to Tesco's to buy a couple of bottles of wine and then oh I might as well get 
the six because then you get one free or whatever and then literally demolishing it because the problem is is that once you start drinking you change your brain chemistry so it's extremely hard to moderate something that was designed to keep you addicted and when you say about mummy wine culture you know if somebody says to me i drink a glass of wine a week i will always double it yeah so you drink two glasses of wine a week yeah. If you say I drink a bottle of wine a week, well, say two bottles of wine a week, I always double it because let's face it, none of us tell the truth about how much we drink until we don't drink. You know, I love saying I don't drink. I love not having the pressure of it. But if I was honest about what I drank, I mean, I remember putting it, putting it in a blog in the early days of what I drank mm. and I halved it. And my mum sent me a message saying, wow. Like, we didn't realise things were that bad. <laughs> I was thinking, I'd halved it. Oh, wow. Like, they were worse. Yeah. It was worse than that. So, it's so true. It's- I mean, I I even went to my, um, I'll call it, well, it's called the over 40s checkup at the doctor's, and they asked me how much I drink. I don't think I meant to lie, but it just came out because <laughs> I knew, it's awful, isn't it? I knew what the, the limit was in terms of the health guidance and she was staring at me and I said oh I'm quite fit I go to the gym blah blah blah. but then when she asked me about the drinking I think I I did tell a white lie and I feel awful now because my score is probably all skewed but there's not much I can do about it now but I'm sure they're the same I'm sure they're like okay she said that the the problem with the UK drinking culture is it is out of control it is off the scale and if everybody was drinking what they tell the doctor that they were drinking, then the alcohol companies would be out of business. Everybody's drinking too much unless they're not drinking at all, in my opinion. Mm. The mummy wine culture thing is a really, it's an interesting subject. You know, I don't have children. I'm not part of that. But I was at my friend's kids' first birthday parties and ending up on the floor. When there was one of the kids' birthdays, it was like, it wasn't anything to do with the kid. It was like, what? yeah it's party time you know I used to babysit people's children for wine that was my payment and I'd be pissed and the kids would be asleep and you just look back at it going oh my god like if anything had happened what would I have done so it's not good but it's changing slowly yeah well it is because I have noticed that there's more alcohol-free bars you've mentioned that there's lots of alcohol-free options and I've noticed that in supermarkets as well I don't know whether it's because I do sometimes go for those options because I do try and have a balance as much as I can so yeah I have noticed that there's more alcohol-free options and I think the generation I think we were talking about our generation today weren't we so I'm a millennial I don't know how I don't feel like a millennial because I'm just on the cusp (laughs) I think we called you a spice girl because you're generation (laughs) x (laughs) so that's why I'm a y and then so gen z I think they're calling them gen z and they're the ones that aren't actually drinking as much they're not going out clubbing as much there's a lot of club nightclubs that have shut down in recent years there's a lot of pubs that have shut down in recent years So do you think that the culture is starting to shift as we go along? Absolutely. I think when I started drinking was Ladette culture. So it was Zoe Ball, who's sober as well, or was sober the last time that I knew. I don't don't know that she's not, but she, it was her and Sarah Cox, who I think she might be sober too. You know, it was that kind of Ladette, you know, they can go out and drink as much as possible. But, What I also say is I must have missed 
the phone culture by months. You know, there's no real awful photos, videos of me in a complete blackout. Kids these days must be put off by the phones. Like, can you imagine if you went and got completely annihilated and people are filming you and you're going to end up on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok or That would be a massive incentive, I think, for me. And I also think that's why people of our Gen XYZ prefer to drink at home Mm. because I think it's safer. It's safer. It's cheaper. You know, you don't need to get a babysitter if you've got children because your kids can be under the same roof as you. I think people always laugh at me when I say this, but I think X Factor was a big reason why people started drinking so much at home because it became such a cultural thing to watch x factor get a takeaway get your six bottles of wine from tesco's interesting and people stopped going out and cut and just staying in then you've got the obviously we had lockdown and that must have been that was a big shift in how much people were drinking at home so my business started in 2019 but with earnest in 2020 Mm. because we were all stuck at home and people's drinking i mean my influx and outgoing people in 2020 if there was a graph it was like up here in down there out with the lockdowns because Mm -hmm. people were literally like I can't stay sober there's no point in me being in your group because I need to drink through this then they'd be like oh my god I've been drinking too much I'm coming back in yeah you know so it just went in out in out over 2020 but I'm still getting the hangover, pun intended, now of people who have been drinking ever since COVID and have have really struggled to rein their drink, drinking in from then. So it's really interesting that three years later, people are now still saying, you know, I haven't recovered from that period. And that's worrying, isn't it? And I think also yeah. because people are working at home more, so they literally stop work at five and then they're at home, aren't they? So they can they don't have to go out. They can just drink at home, I guess. Yeah. And they're still in that sort of pattern from being at home during lockdown. So, Dawn, you mentioned your coaching business that you set up. In the, when did you set it up again? In- so the coaching is fairly new. I qualified in March of this year. The business, so I basically set up um, a membership site in June 2019 and it was a way to monetize the support that I was giving in order for me to do less work for somebody else and put more time into the Sabre community. So the membership group's been running ever since so that will celebrate five years next year and as natural progression of that it seemed that I needed to do something just to be qualified in what I do. So I did a positive psychology and alcohol-free coaching qualification, which I passed in March of this year. So my coaching side is fairly young, but really going really well. So that's really positive. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Do you have like one-to-ones or groups? How how can people um, get in touch with you as well if they wanted to go down that journey with you? Yeah, so the membership group is called the Fish Followers Society. You can never say that <laughs> very well. <laughs> and and within that, we do sober challenges. So there is one starting on the 1st of January mm-hmm. within the group. So it will give support on a more supportive scale than being in the bigger group. And then the coaching, yes, is on a one-to-one basis. So what I do is once a month, I will offer half an hour of my time 
where we can discuss different products that people want to do and whether we can work together. And then we would go ahead from there. And where can we find you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram with you and I love all your posts. So even if it's <laughs> value, it's brilliant. I absolutely love them. So remind us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> remind us of the Instagram handle. I'm sober fishy with an IE right. on Instagram. I'm the sober fish story on uh, Facebook and it's sober fishy, I think, on Twitter. I don't really use Twitter, but no. yeah, if you search for sober fish, you will find most of the things that I do. And there's also a website www.soberfish.co.uk. Excellent. So people can find out more about all the amazing things that you're doing. I want to end on all the benefits of being alcohol free. Let's list all these wonderful benefits to encourage people to at least try dry January, which is coming up. I'm going to definitely do dry January. And then even to carry that through, what are the benefits that we're going to see of being alcohol free? Okay, I'm going to be completely honest with you that dry January is not going to give you all of the benefits that I can list. No. (laughs) You need to do it for a bit longer than 31 days. That's one of the things that I learned. And I'm very, very honest about it because I think media basically says that if you can do 31 days in January, your life is going to be sorted. You're going to be thin. You're going to be a non-smoker. You're going to be a mate. You're going to get the job that you want. You know, everything's going to change. But I think it was really good what you said earlier about lifestyle. This is a lifestyle change. So Hmm. 31 days is absolutely brilliant. And I will never, ever diss anybody for doing it. But if you really want to change your life, you will need to do it for longer. The benefit, sober sleep, It's definitely number one or up there in the top three. I love my sleep. I've got jet lag at the moment. It's getting better, but I'm really like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back to my normal sober sleep. Freedom. It's just freedom. Mm. You know, for me, it was always about where was I going to drink? How was I going to drink? What was I going to drink? Who was I going to be with? What When was I going to get home? How was I going to get home? How did the next day look? not making plans the next day because I knew I was going to be rough from the night before. You know, even as I'm just saying this list, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. I like not to be exhausted. Sobriety gets a bad name because it is balanced. You don't get massive highs and you don't get massive lows. You live life in the middle Mm -hmm. and it can be hard to get used to that because a lot of us live chaotic lives, whether we drink or not. Mm-hmm. And to get used to just being is kind of difficult if you're used yeah. to taking yourself up and getting the corresponding low. So mm-hmm. I like being balanced and I get very, you know, if I feel unbalanced, I know how to bring myself back to balance again. But again, that takes work. Like I say, I've been on a diet my whole life. I'm still kind of on a diet at the moment because I've been on holiday, but <laughs> it's not the same as before because it's yeah. not this constant self-sabotage of, oh, well, I've been out, I've drunk X amount, I ate that when I was drinking, I ate that when I was hungover, so I might as well write off this week. It's a lot easier to kind of rein yourself back in. Like you say, a lifestyle and that sustainable sort of healthy living rather than, it's not a diet, is it? Because you're just sort of, in moderation, like you say, a balance. A balance. I like the balance part. Not of moderation. It. Sorry, I shouldn't have said moderation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really productive every single day. Yeah. You know, when I look back at when I was at work before, it was pretty hit and miss as to, you know, I did the job well, but now I'm like, 
on fire every day because mm. generally I've had a good sleep the night before. Just being a better person, if I commit to something, I will do it rather than being flaky about it. Christmas is just great for me. I, I used to hate Christmas that it was this, you know, it would start with the Christmas party and the, and it wouldn't end until dry January. Uh, you know, this mm. constant having to pull yourself together to go and do it again. Like, no, I don't do that. You know, it's yeah. all about PJs, watching TV, eating nice foods, spending time with family, getting lots of sleep in, chilling out and just feeling good. You know, and again, with the balance means that not having to do dry January you know, because I live dry January every day is another real benefit, which I know people might not want to hear right now. But it's just the freedom from having to plan around sobriety or drinking. You know, it just yeah. takes it off the menu, take alcohol off the menu and you get so much more brain space. It seems like you're just more present as well because you've got that balance and you haven't got those highs and the lows and you're not masking various things. You're living that sort of more present life, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think that sums it up really well about alcohol and the mask. When you take the mask away and you become your true self, it's really interesting what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. And that's where you become less people pleasing because you go... I just don't enjoy doing that. Or I really enjoy doing that. That's the direction. You know, it's a fuck yes or a fuck no, basically. Yeah. And that's the example of what the Instagram posts are, which are just brilliant, (laughs) entertaining. And even if you don't go down this journey, follow Dawn. They are really inspiring. But I also hope that we will inspire people to at least start that journey if they do need to and, and carry that through and just think about, their lifestyle think about how much we're drinking as a side I have someone in my group who started dry January last year yeah and or this year 2023 no intention of giving up for goods no intention of giving up for goods and she's going to be celebrating her anniversary. so that is the power of dry January so that's why I will never diss it but what I would just say is just don't expect absolute miracles Within 31 days, you will feel better. But if you want the real benefits, keep it going. Just keep going. Well, that's the message. Thank you so much, Dawn. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I really look forward to seeing what else that you do on Instagram and all the socials. And good luck with the coaching business as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks, Dawn. And we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't already, please follow Kiri Presents or Inspiring Stories on the podcast platform of your choice. And don't forget to share on the socials if you enjoyed it. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.